I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Andrew Price. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, outs, and nitty-gritty so you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... Dan Bilzerian, Instagram fraudster-in-chief. Who is Dan Bilzerian? Well, he's an influencer, almost actor, and supposedly world champion level gambler who has racked up over 32 million followers on Instagram. What is he primarily famous for, you might ask? Well, it's definitely not his poker career, his octagonal-shaped head, or his bizarre penchant for exclusively dressing in short shorts and white t-shirts. He's most famous for his internet persona as the 21st century Hugh Hefner. Almost every one of Bilzerian's Instagram posts featured scantily clad women, large stacks of money, and exotic locales. The only issue being, none of these are really true. Mr. Bilzerian is just a fraud. You don't get rewarded for your honesty. If recent history has taught us anything, it's that people will be way dumber than you think they could ever have been. It's almost like cognitive dissonance is the coin of the realm these days. Like acting in a manner that would literally put you and your loved ones at risk is the way most of us would actively choose to be, which, you know, is a choice. We've also learned that lying doesn't hold the same weight it used to, that just Outright shamelessly telling falsehoods is something that will convince a certain percentage of the population to follow you, regardless of how blatant it is that you're not telling the truth. In many ways, that's what having an online persona is. It's an agreed-upon, groupthink-based, kayfabe-fueled lie. Is that something that is good and healthy for society? No, but it's the direction we've all chosen. Look, public persona and embellishments on personal history is something that everyone does. It's how you get a job. We don't live in a perfect world, and the realities of paying rent mean, by any means necessary, I will get this shitty dead-end job that I don't even really want. And that's how a lot of people function online. They build up a digital altar to themselves, creating a permission structure for those around them, allowing people from all over the globe to send them love, likes, and comments, and the hugs their daddies never gave them. Wait, is that a spoiler? Daniel Brandon Bilzerian was born on December 7th, 1980 in Tampa, Florida. He was born to Terry Stefan and Paul Bilzerian, a corporate raider who specialized in takeovers and bankruptcies. Dan rose to fame, supposedly off winning large amounts of money playing poker, and we'll talk more about that later. Dan's brother, Adam Bilzerian, is also a poker player. Bilzerian's bearded visage is now something iconic in certain shitty dude bro, back pussy, guns, and workout obsessed corners of the internet. He's known for having a larger than life persona, one that Hugh Hefner would have loved, one that is propelled by glitzy travel style social videos, nameless women in bikinis, and the shortest of short shorts imaginable. No, really, it's almost like Bilzerian has a medical aversion to shorts that are an appropriate length. His iconic beard has been turned into a logo, a signifier, a metonym for his manhood. But it begs the question, did he always have a beard? What was he like as a child? Is he the only Armenian kid to ever fully grow a beard that is a coffin shape by age seven? Well, let's let the man himself tell you. What life was like for you growing up? Um, Well, it kind of changed, right? Because initially growing up, I lived, um, I think it was a two bedroom house and I shared a room with my little brother. And then um, I think it was, I want to say when I was eight, we moved into, um, a 
four or five bedroom house. It was like a nice, I think it was probably, I don't know, a million dollar, one or two million dollar house in a nice neighborhood. And then my dad, um, he built a 44,000 square foot house with, you know, 26 bathrooms, indoor basketball court. And <laughs> so that was a little different. And he also went to jail for a year in federal prison. And I mean, look, I got kicked out of school, seventh grade. So I ended up living with my aunt and uncle. Eighth grade, I was in military school. Ninth grade, I went to Utah um, to live in a completely Mormon city. 10th grade, I went back to Tampa Prep. Then three days into my senior year, I got thrown in jail. So you know, childhood was a little different from year to year. So explain what led to you getting thrown in jail your senior year. Um, well, um, a machine gun and a shotgun in my vehicle on school grounds would be probably what led to that. <laughs> So. Like, what, what are you thinking going into that? Um, no, you can call me an idiot. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, a part of it was, you know, probably being a insecure kid. You know, I thought it was cool to have a machine gun in my car. And I didn't really associate the school parking lot being that it was like a half a mile away from school as like being considered school. And the way they categorized it was I might as well have this thing in my locker. You know, and this was right after Columbine happened, which was kind of bad timing, if you will. So I took a kid to school and, and he saw it in the car and he went around and told everybody. And then the cop came up and asked me, or I think it was a principal. Somebody asked me, I forget uh -huh. who it was. And then a cop said, hey, do you have any guns in your car? And I said, well, yeah, I got a couple guns in my car. He said, do you mind if I search it? And at the time, being an idiot, I was like, oh, yeah, no problem. Thinking that if I was just honest, you know. And it's funny because, uh, you know, that's you know, a perfect example of like a lesson that my dad should have taught me is like, you really don't get rewarded for your honesty. That video is basically like a skeleton key for everything Bilzerian went through as a person. Shit, maybe even as an adult. To put a fine point on it, why be honest when you can win? But we'll return to that. I have several thoughts just on that video alone. First of all, his beard is so angular that it actually it, it and it's so solid it visually extends his face to where it's like an optical illusion that just makes his face look longer and it looks like he has cherubism he his beard makes him look like robert zadar except for it's a beard <laughs> like but it's and also I don't know if this is something to do with drug use or something like that, but there's something about his speaking where his lower jaw doesn't move when he talks. He's it's like he's speaking with his jaw wired shut. You know, he he feels like he feels like those uh, clutch cargo cartoons where it's like a drawing of a face and then they put somebody like a human mouth in the drawing and the, the human mouth moves, but the face perimeter, you know, doesn't like the contour line of the face doesn't move it because that'd be too expensive to animate. So it's just flapping lips going like, hey, clutch, we gotta go over there. Except for it also affects his speech where it sounds like he's like trying to be a ventriloquist. Like, it's so strange. I, I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's like some kind of result of drug use, some kind of neurological situation. Or if there's just so much weight from his beard. Yeah, the, well, that was the joke follow up is like, or like there's so much hairspray or gel in his beard that he can't move his jaw when he talks <laughs> to maintain that razor sharp edge. 
prior to us doing this episode, did you have any exposure to Old Dirty Bilzerian? Not really. I mean, he exists in the same hemisphere to me as a lot of these types of people that I'm aware of, but purposely do not look into, you know, like Logan Paul or... But he's even worse, though, because those guys are like, they're like known for internet comedy, kind of. They're also just really shitty dude bros, whereas Dan Bilzerian is known for like... Look at me firing this gun while there's a girl over my shoulder in a bikini and we've taken the photo so you can like see her butt. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's 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 a ton of people like that. There's a lot of like weird YouTubers that are kind of in a similar vein, like this guy Keemstar, who's just a similar type of guy, uh, which who I'm who I'm aware of, but I just purposely do not look into or find out anything about. Until they actually have some kind of big news story that kind of forces me to learn about them, like how like Logan Paul, like I I knew I knew of Logan Paul, but I didn't know anything about Logan Paul by design uh, before he did that suicide forest thing. And then it was like, oh, now I know about this person. But before that, I was like purposely ignorant of him. Well, honestly, I think you're probably a, a richer person for having done that um because not only is dan bilzerian's internet persona just fucking awful but also the fact that it's not real is just even it makes everything even weirder yeah i mean well a couple a couple things on that like first of all stuff like that obviously we, t- we this is the whole point of this podcast at this point like this is every episode is in some way impregnated with this concept but the concept the, the idea of having some kind of persona that is masking some deeper truth or averting people's attention from some reality or, you know, done in the name of some kind of conceptual vision or whatever it may be. That concept obviously is something that we're very fascinated by and it's it can be a really cool and interesting thing, but it's hard to enjoy it whenever both the content and the context and the subtext are all so kind of toxic and shitty so it's just not it's not that type of persona that i'm personally particularly interested in i think but i think the i think the delineation though is that you're aware it's a persona that is you know something someone is attempting to cultivate in order to gain clout on the internet most people who follow him don't think of it as a persona they they think it's him they think he's a playboy they think he you know is actually having sex with seven women at once you know like none of this is true like that's the dis that's the distinction yeah it's like that ty lopez guy the you know the here in the garage just got food driving my lamborghini through the hollywood hills but you know what i like better than lamborghinis i like knowledge i have my books here the billionaire warren buffett once said that knowledge is the best thing in the universe and i'd rather read 10 million books than drive my lamborghini in the hollywood hills I don't even care about money. I call it knowledge fuel at this point because I just buy books with my money. That guy, like he, that was his whole thing was it was all just like he literally rented like a mansion to shoot his like little videos in to pretend like he lived in it. And I'm sure he rented those fucking cars too, which dovetails into an observation I had about the video, which is sitting there watching it. And it's like, why is this guy being interviewed? Why are we interviewing him? Why are we listening to him talking about his life? Like, it's just, it's like this weird thing that we've talked about in several episodes where, you know, celebrity morphed into this thing that was like, you wanted to become a celebrity by doing something and people were celebrities because of the things that they did. And somehow like the snake ate its own tail and then celebrity became about being a celebrity and you were a celebrity because you were a celebrity. Like this is a rhetorical question because I know that he's a celebrity because of 
these Instagram pictures he posts and his lavish lifestyle he projects and all these things, but cosmically or existentially, why is this person being interviewed? Why did this person have him on the show to interview him? Why are we listening to him being interviewed? Why is this happening? He's just talking about his life. It's like a simulacrum for something that he did. He did nothing. He's just like talking about his life for no reason. Do you think though that like the reason just to explore that idea a little further, like the reason why people are interested in celebrities who are celebrities for no reason other than that they are a celebrity is because, well, I think it's specifically with Dan Bilzerian, I think it's dual, I think there's, I think it's twofold. I think there's a dual headed hydra at the center of it. And one of them being that there are people who want to be like that and they they live vicariously through him and they they wish that they had this lavish playboy lifestyle that that appears as though it is free from the daily struggles that we all go through of trying to pay rent and uh they're fr- it's free from pain and it has this excess of joy and carnal pleasure and the senses are always stimulated and it it doesn't feel like he's on maslow's hierarchy of needs it feels in those videos like he's just ascended into pure bliss all the time always and then the other side of it is that i think a lot of people feel unseen you know i think people feel small in their accomplishments or their life i mean i it's just a Something about the way that we've all collectively agreed America is run is that we don't have an actual ruling class or an aristocracy. We have this kind of like that's that's ordained by blood. We have this kind of like cultural aristocracy where we all just agree that these people are our one percent. And I don't mean that in the one percent of like Jeff Bezos with billions and billions of dollars. I mean that in like a one percent are oppressing the bottom ninety nine percent with their wealth. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think that there is something there too, where people feel unseen and they, they derive a sense of pleasure from someone that is very publicly known and, and they're able to kind of, again, it's a different, you know, version of the idea, but live vicariously through that person. I mean, every, everything you just said is exactly what it is, but I still ask why, because yes, he is, as I said before, my, my question was rhetorical because the reason why he's famous is because He projects this lavish lifestyle. He projects an aspirational lifestyle. People see him and they want to, you know, they want to live like that or they want their lives to be like that. So they sort of live vicariously through these through this Instagram channel. And they also, you know, want an escape from their own life that they feel unhappy or unsatisfied by. But I still ask why people who have those feelings find that to be a fulfilling outlet. It, it reminds me of like, I do not understand. I mean, I I used to not understand gaming content. Like I used to not understand why people would watch someone play video games, streamers and stuff like that. But I, I kind of get that now. It's still not my cup of tea, but I get now that it's more about the personality of the person and it's less about just watching some a game being played. But one thing I do not understand at all is why kids like to watch videos of kids playing with toys. There is a huge whatever. There's a huge uh, market for content on YouTube, which is either kids playing with toys or people just opening toys and kids will watch those videos. And it's so confounding to me, especially because one time my nephew was visiting and he was watching a video of somebody playing with this game 
a board game. I can't remember what it was anymore, but it was a particular board game. And I was seeing him watch this and I I bought it for him, this game, because I'm just seeing I'm seeing that I'm like, oh, he just he wants this game. This is like the. This is like the kid nowadays version of like looking in a, you know, looking in a, a Target toy uh, toy ad or or whatever. Like he wants this toy. So I got him this toy. And when he got it, it was almost like he didn't know what to do with it. Or he was just his reaction to it was just like, oh, like you got me this. Like it, he didn't want the toy. He just wanted to watch the video of the toy being played with. And I don't understand how that fulfills anything. For anybody. And this reminds me of that, where it's like, yes, people are unhappy with their lives. Yes, people want to have these aspirational lifestyles. And I guess I, I guess to me, it's like you watch like James Bond for that because it's like a story and it, it's presenting this aspirational character. I mean, for some people, not for me, but yeah, but but don't you think don't you think that's what this is, though? It, this is like it is it is that but it without without any of the compelling stuff. No, I don't think so, man. I think it's the opposite. I think it's it's compelling because it's like wrestling because it's we know it's fake, but most of the jabronis out there think it's real. And the story is so much more compelling because it's not Daniel Craig pretending to smooch up on some, you know, pretty lady. It's Dan Blazarin actually fucking 10 bitches in one night, bro. Like it's it's so much more. Yeah, but I, I yes, 100 percent. I just don't understand why you would care about that. Why would you care about because some I want to have guy? sex with 10 bitches in one night, bro. But that's a it's a different guy, though. Like, yeah, bro. But like he had sex with 10 bitches in one night, bro. And his beard is giant. and My beard is giant. Maybe I could have sex with 10 bitches in one night, too, bro. It's just so weird to me. I at least understand, you know, like somebody like Gary Vee. It's a similar thing where he's kind of projecting this aspirational lifestyle and people look up to him because they're just like, oh, like maybe, you know, these entrepreneurial people are just like, I could be like this. I could be successful or whatever. But at least he's like giving it advice and like being like this is how you do this or whatever it's so weird to me just to be like this picture of this guy standing next to models that's i like that because i want to do that it's so weird to me Today we have something exciting to tell you about, and that's that we now have Mystery Treehouse Investigation Agency membership patches, three and a half inch patches that you can buy. They're pretty cool. You've got an illustration of me and Dave as the Mystery Treehouse Investigation Agency. I've got a, a, a magnifying glass. Dave's got a flashlight drawn and colored by Dave. You can go to any of our websites and go to the store. You can go to heydavebaker.com. You can go to dapricerights.com where they're available. Or you can go to deepcutspod.com and go to the official merch store for Deep Cuts. Thanks for listening to this episode. You should definitely go like the Facebook page for the Deep Cuts Pod because we do lots of cool video content on there that you'll be sure to like. Also, please join our Facebook group. That's Deep Cuts Podcast on Facebook and the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Also follow us on Instagram at Deep Cuts Pod. Act two, a shitty Photoshop Star Wars joke, but instead of Luke and Vader, it's Dan Blazarian and his beard. Paul Alec Bilzerian, Dan's father, was born in Miami, Florida, but grew up in Worcester, Massachusetts. That is so hard to say. Yeah. Worcester, you, you Massachusetts. Went, you got drunk for a second when you tried to say that. <laughs> Worcester, Massachusetts. <laughs> 
Paul Alec Bilzerian, Dan's father, was born in Miami, Florida, but grew up in Worcester, Massachusetts. He served in the Vietnam War, earning a Vietnamese Gallantry Cross, Bronze Star Medal, and an Army Commendation Medal. Upon getting out, he went to Stanford University in 1975, where he graduated with a Bachelor's of Arts with honors in political science. This is when he made a decision. He was going to go for the gold, both literally and metaphorically. That same year, he enrolled in Harvard Business School. After graduating, he married his former Stanford classmate, Terry, and the two moved to St. Petersburg, Florida. This was in 1978. From here, Bilzerian becomes involved in a string of business ventures, some successful, some not. He invested in a Tampa Bay Area radio station, but eventually left over issues surrounding control of the company. He took part in some failed corporate takeovers, Cluett Peabody & Company and H.H. Robertson Construction, which were both botched and the companies ultimately sold to other investment groups. He and two fellow investors then attempted to take over the Hammermill Paper Company by purchasing $3.3 million in Hammermill. I invested in the Hammermill Paper Company while I was living in Worcester, Massachusetts. <laughs> by purchasing $3.3 million in Hammermill shares. They attempted to purchase the remaining stock, but... Their offer was rejected in favor of an offer by International Paper. This time, at least they were able to sell their stocks to International Paper for a cool $60 million. But unfortunately, it was canceled out because the, the stock that they, they bought was all printed on hammer mill paper that they had to pay for, and it cost $60 million. And they also had to forfeit their rights to the IP farming scheme that hammer mill paper had started which was MC Hammer. He actually isn't a real person. He's a persona owned by the Hammer Mill Paper Company. So Hammer Don't Hurt Him was actually a ploy to sell paper. If you remember Hammer Don't Hurt Him, the original album cover was actually MC Hammer giving himself a paper cut and going, ow, that's a boo-boo. And uh, that didn't end up going to press that way. They changed it. MC Hammer was originally, he was he was like the Sonic the Hedgehog of the paper industry. Finally, in 1987, the umpty dump time was the charm. Bilzerian would take over the Singer Corporation, a defense and electronics manufacturer. Two factors actually made this happen. The chairman of Singer, Joseph B. Flavin, died in early October of that year. And the Black Friday crash, less than two weeks later, spooked virtually every rival investor, basically meaning Bilzerian was the only person competing for the company. However, this is where things take a turn. After two days of deliberation in June of 1989, Bilzerian was found guilty of nine counts, including conspiracy, making false statements, and securities law violations. In September of that year, a judge sentenced him to four years and $1.5 million in fines. He ultimately only served one year for his sentence. In 1992, a federal judge ruled that Bilzerian needed to pay back $33.1 million in profits, which he had absconded with plus interest, which resulted in an amount close to, you guessed it, $62 million. However, he declared bankruptcy and turned over just $15,000. But it was all counterfeit bills printed on hammer mill paper. So it actually cost him an additional $60 million. So, so then he was $120 million in debt. He then served as the president of a company named Symmetrics, which produced software. Then years later, in 2002, the government took the company because of more shady dealings. Where did all this money go that Papa Blazarian had made? Who the fuck knows? But definitely not to Dan and his brother. No way. There's no way that happened. It definitely didn't happen. So just to recap this segment, basically, 
Dan Bilzerian's dad is this shady corporate writer who takes over companies by force by buying all of their stocks up with large amounts of money. And he's not particularly good at it either. <laughs> no, he's not. And then he basically extracts all the value from the company, sells off all the individual pieces, or the goal is to sell off all the individual pieces and make a shitload of money really quickly and then dump the rest of the company and move on. And it sounds like he systematically failed at that every single time. Yeah. Well, the, the other part of that is it's not totally legal what he was doing, which is why he got brought up on securities charges and, you know, whatever the equivalent of insider trading is for these companies. Um, but it's interesting, though, that his that Dan Bilzerian's dad, his whole reason for existing is just he's like a piranha. He like sees something, him and a bunch of his super rich friends dive at it. They take all the meat off the bones and then they just leave the carcass drifting in the water. And that's kind of like just their modus operandi. Um, it's hard for me to understand why someone would do that. Like, I don't want money that way. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't look at me. Look at my eyes. I'm the paper company captain now. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a weird, weird, weird way to make money. But I guess. Yeah, I was I was just wonder how people fall into those situations. Um, obviously, I, I guess it's I guess it's really just nothing you can predict. It's just it is really just a thing that you somehow fi find your way into. You hear somebody talking about something and then you get interested in it. You go to talk to somebody and then it just kind of snowballs from there. But. I'm always, you know, as somebody who has had like a singular goal of what I want to do since I was a kid, it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around people who don't have that. And it's not necessarily a negative thing, but there are people who don't have like this clear cut goal of what they want to do with their lives, you know, sort of written in stone. So, you know, it, I always find it just fascinating how people fall into um, certain types of careers, what, you know, that are just like, it's, it, you know, even if he was successful at this, this whole weird scheme of buying a majority of share of stocks in a company and then like stripping it for parts and then selling it off is just, that's not anything that anybody would ever purposely gravitate towards. No one's ever like, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a, a corporate pirate. So you, you just wonder how they fall into these types of things. You know, I don't think I want to do this podcast anymore. <laughs> You've decided that you're, you've realized that your actual, your, the goals that you thought you had were actually masking a deeper, more, more universally true goal of becoming a corporate pirate. But like, not just in concept, like you're actually going to dress up like Captain Jack Sparrow and you're going to put on the voice. You know, I, I just I haven't really liked myself recently. I've been doing things that I'm not proud of. I've been saying things that I don't think are who I really am on the inside. And I think the only way to quell those pains is to meticulously and systematically and mercilessly take over someone else's lifelong pursuit, systematically dismantle it, and basically do the business equivalent of dry humping it to death and then make a bunch of money. I think that'll make me sleep better at night, you know? Who are you? Disney? Do you remember, remember when he when Lucas first sold Lucas first sold Star Wars to Disney and he referred to them as white slavers? Yes. God, I just I loved that. I loved that so much. Very particular boomer liberal thing to say. I, you know what? Call me boom boom because I'm all about it. I love I love 
pissed off four billion dollar no chin having old man george lucas being like when you sell your dreams to these uh these white slavers and then they just uh drag them to the mud and uh you have four million dollars but what do you want four billion dollars with when they're uh selling your children into slavery he re- there was like a, there was recently a big viral story where he revealed the real reason why he sold Star Wars, and then you read you read the story, and it was it's from a book that came out about him or something, and he was just like, I wanted to spend time with my daughter, like that was it, that was that was the answer. It was like this big clickbait thing, and then that was the answer. Also, can I just point out, your George Lucas is really good. I've been I've been working on it my entire life. In the same way that you, your your true self is becoming a corporate pirate, mine is becoming a like a like a Hollywood and Highland George Lucas impersonator. Can I hear you say um it's like music, it rhymes? It's like poetry, it rhymes. Oh yeah, that's right. It's like poetry. It's like poetry. They didn't like those uh ten stormtroopers I added to that desert scene in the first Star Wars movie. I love the Dewback. The Dewback's cool. Big fan of giant lizard guys. Yeah, but that it looks like fucking shit. Like <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't look great. But it doesn't matter because it's a giant lizard. Yeah, those are those additions are like early 2000 CGI. They look like fucking dog shit. Yeah, they're not great looking. But come on, man. It's a giant lizard. That You think I'm going to be upset at a stormtrooper riding on a giant lizard? That sounds awesome to me. It looks like a great movie with like clip art, like just put on top of it. And you're saying that like it's a bad thing? That sounds amazing. <laughs> like, can you... Can you imagine if fucking Fitzcarraldo just had like instead of <laughs> instead of actually moving the ship across the mountains, they just were hauling like fucking Clippy, the the word fucking mascot across. It looks like you're trying to haul a giant tugboat over a mountain. Might I suggest that you hire a bunch of locals and do it over the course of several years, in which case certain people will be maimed and even die? It looks like you're about to wax about the human condition. Might I suggest using the words simulacrum or mobius strip or possibly kayfabe? Have you considered using the phrase crystal cathedral to the self? I don't know how to fucking land this. Fuck it. We're moving on to act three. Have you considered talking about a mind palace? Act three, Texas hold me, daddy. It's interesting on a character building level that Dan Bilzerian seems to have inherited or adopted his father's keen business acumen, but then combined it with a flair for the dramatic. Dilzerian is kind of like the P.T. Barnum of Instagram. Lavish parties, sexuality on display, animals, guns, money, and a pervasive stench of this can't be real, can it? Surprisingly, old Dizzy grew up to be something of a poker star, sort of. He claimed to have made his rather sizable fortune as a poker player, appearing multiple times in high-stakes World Series of Poker-style events, where he would leave with large gobs of cash. Or he was working the angles and laundering his father's money through these poker tournaments. No one has ever proven that, but there are rumors and scurrilous barbs aimed at defaming him and his brother and his father's character, which suggest so. But also, low-key, like, come on. We all know what happened here. The fast life, well, it took a toll on the Blitz. His optical illusion chin that makes him look like Max Headroom couldn't stop him from having his body react to all the chemicals and drugs he was pumping into it. 
due to drug use, he purportedly has suffered not one, but two heart attacks before the age of 32. And this is when things begin to change for the blitz. Gram in too hard will give you a heart attack. You ought to know by now. This is when he has a ton of poker money and decides he's going to just live the lavish Bruce Wayne lifestyle, but with no moral compass. And he decides to set up an Instagram to document it. But after all, if an unnamed woman with size double D breasts comes within 50 feet of you, if you don't get a photo of it, did it ever really happen? Dan, well, he really does it, man. He follows the playbook of the influencer lifestyle, starts posting aspirational lifestyle shit, but it's not just your normal, you can do it, I believe in you style shit. It pretty quickly evolves into travel, babes, and guns. And later he'll add weed, but you know, initially it's just the big three. He constructs a kayfabe about how badass he is. Does he even start believing it? Maybe. He starts hiring models to hang out with him, like literally just be around. It's like proximity fuckability. It's so strange, but apparently it works. He does this whole sister wives thing where he refers to all these models as sister wives on his Instagram accounts. And then he signs a book deal with Simon & Schuster. The original title was Blitz, his nickname. Simon & Schuster wanted to pair him with a ghostwriter, who turned in a draft. Dan Bilzerian hated this draft, so he decided to go rogue and write it himself. Simon & Schuster didn't like it, so what did he do? Cancelled the contract and decided to self-publish the book by very publicly writing the novel himself. And as a high quality mark on the, you know, literary throne with the likes of Life of a Wannabe Mogul, A Life in Disarray, Volume 1, he throws a naming contest for his book. Never ask the internet to name something. Andrew, if you had to name, if you had to throw your hat in the ring to name Dan Bilzerian's book, what would you name it? Dan Bilzerian, A Tale As Long As My Chin. <laughs> I would call it um, Chin Music, colon, How Dan Bilzerian Changed the Internet. Or maybe Fuck With Me and Get Some Money, colon, The G-Easy Story, in parentheses, The Dan Bilzerian Story. Life of a Wannabe Mogul, A Bearded Disarray. Let the Bodies Hit the Floor, Dan Bilzerian's Ode to Sleeping Through the Pain. I, I can't even unpack what that means or where you got that. <laughs> it was originally supposed to be a let the bodies at the floor. Let the bodies. I got that. I got that. I don't. What does drowning pool have to do with Jan Bilzerian? I don't know. They're like fucking chodes like he is. I don't know. Well, that guy's dead. Drowning pool guy's dead. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're upset. You're sad. I don't know. I don't want anybody to be dead. Drowning pool guy. Did he, did he die of drugs or something? What did he die of? Yeah, he did. He, yeah. he. That sucks. I don't want him to be dead. Well, <laughs> you're way too late because it happened like 15 years ago. Wow. Really? I had no idea. Wow. I guess you could say that body really did. Oh my the floor. God. <laughs> 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 to go from to go from such a like a sincere like like sadness to just throwing out the most <laughs> the most dark joke you could have thought of. <laughs> The most obvious joke that there could be for that, but that just nobody would say. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Moving on. 
the next up in uh, in Dan Bilzerian's long list of weird accomplishments slash pseudo failures. Wait, what was what was the name? What did he name? What, we didn't even talk about what he named. Oh it. yeah, I don't even. I don't think they even announced. I don't know if they announced it. I don't remember. What did they? They probably didn't. If if they if it was if it was a fill in the blank, then they definitely didn't announce it. I know he offered five thousand dollars to whoever. Did you ever read that story about how Mountain Dew did an internet naming contest for a new flavor a, uh, a long time ago, like two thousand seven or eight or something like that? Mountain Dew did an online naming contest for a new flavor, but you were allowed to add like it wasn't just like a select like multi choice. It was like you were allowed to submit. Uh, you submit a name and then people could vote on it. And inevitably, obviously, the the official winner of the contest was to name the new flavor of Mountain Dew Hitler did nothing wrong. Oh my god. What? Yeah, that was, I mean, obviously, obviously that's not shocking. You asked the internet to do this. They were it was obviously going to be co-opted by a bunch of trolls and they were going to do the most like purposely offensive thing possible. You you and, and that was like it was like that was the winner and then like there was the three runners up were like other incredibly offensive things. And they were just like, nope, this was a huge mistake. And then they just canceled the whole thing. So some of the book titles uh, that were in the running, which I don't know that any of these got picked, but the, the ones that were in the running is uh, Love Your Kids So They Don't End Up Like Me, The Tale of Dan Bilzerian. Well, this is exactly what I was, this is exactly what <laughs> I was is, saying. Of it course, is. of course. This book title cost me $5,000. Dan Bilzerian, The Story Behind the Pictures. Dan Bilzerian, I couldn't have done it without my daddy's money. A, bazillion, <laughs> a Bilzerian reasons why. The cards have the cards have been dealt. A Dan Bilzerian story. A success story by Dan Bilzerian, The Art of Pleasure. So that's the that <laughs> Bella Thorne submitted that <laughs> that one. Who wants who wants to be a Bilzerianarier? I mean it's supposed to be Bilzen Bilzenarier. It doesn't work. It's supposed to be a pun on Bilzer, 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 Bilzerionaire. Bilzerionaire. I'm a Bilzerionaire from Worcester, <laughs> Massachusetts. I work at the Hillhammer Paper Company. <laughs> I'm a stupid moron with an ugly face and my butt smells and I like to kiss my own butt. <laughs> <laughs> Me, myself, and millions. Dan Bilzerian, perpetual midlife crisis, uh, which is hilarious. I like how some, like a bunch of the of the entries are like obviously like the things I was just talking about. It's like it's like the troll ones, but then intermixed with like just genuine shitty attempts at a real title that aren't trolls, but they're just so bad. Like like these troll ones, and then Dan Bilzerian, the story behind the pictures, which doesn't even like make like that's not even like oh I guess because he has an Instagram. Yeah, yeah. the The best part of this though is that the cards I've been dealt. <laughs> you, dear listener, cannot see that the Instagram post that started this caption contest. It's so stupid. It's so ridiculous. It's so stupid. It's, it's Dan the most Bilzerian. like manufactured thing. Like Andrew, will you please describe the Instagram post? So. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, 
so the 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 caption for the Instagram post is finished writing my auto finished writing my autobiography five thousand dollars to the best book title in the comments. That's the text, and then it's a but it's a photo, and the photo is him allegedly finishing writing his autobiography. So he's sitting at a desk in his fucking mansion or apartment or whatever, and then and he's like leaning over typing on the computer. And then he just has like a bored looking, very toned model, like just perched on his knee. Like a little kid. As if she's like sitting there just watching him write his autobiography. But also she's in like the most posed way possible where she's like flexing her muscles and like sucking in her stomach in that in the way that you would for like a professional photo shoot. So it's like so obviously posed. I mean, not that he's necessarily even saying that this isn't posed, but it's just like... It's the, 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 the concept of it is ludicrous that you'd just be sitting there writing your autobiography with a, with a model, just like sitting on your knee, watching you write. I can't write when people are watching me write. Yeah. But can you watch while, um, a model wearing a neon green thong bikini that has the logo of your definitely not scam weed company on it sits on your lap grinding on you while you write? I mean, if that's not how you write your autobiographies, then that's why you're not on the bestseller list. That's all I'm going to say. Can't argue with that one. So next up in in Dan Bilzerian's long, sad list of bullshit that's just so not real is... He was trying to get a an acting career jump started. So, and you know, he's also like got this whole military th- component to his persona. So, the movie about you know the American sniper, lone survivor, uh, Kyle, what's his face, something Kyle, uh, the guy who loves Punisher and that guy, the sniper. Um, they made a movie about him, and Dan Bilzerian paid a million dollars to the production in order to have a cameo in the movie. What a weird thing. But his scene got cut from the movie, and then he sued, and then he sued. You love to see it. You love to see it. I mean, I feel like you're enjoying that of just, like, the cosmic, like, comedy of it, but I kind of feel like, I feel like they probably intended on cutting it from the moment from the beginning i don't think it was like a thing where they're like they they paid in the million dollars and he was in it and they he was intended to be in it and at the last moment they were just like oh like this isn't working or whatever like i feel like from the very beginning they're like yeah just take the million dollars and we'll fucking cut it out <laughs> i love it i don't either way it's funny to me either way it's so good um in december of 2014 dan bilzerian threw a woman pornography star janice griffith off of a roof during a hustler photo shoot aiming at a pool and missed she broke her foot she asked for $85,000 for her injuries and that was rejected hustler also refused to pay for it because the attorney attempted to position bilzerian's throwing of a woman off of a roof as an act of god just what we're on a mission from god we have to go throw this porn star off a roof <laughs> and sing many songs with celebrity cameos along the way and then years later, after one of us dies tragically, the other one will try to make a sequel that will be really terrible. Yes, that will happen. And it will be me trying to make it and you will have died and it will not be good. On October 1st, 2017, there was a shooting in Las Vegas, which Dan Bilzerian was at. And things just get not funny anymore. They get really weird and really dark. Snap. 
you hear if you hear a crack. I heard a crack, dude. Hey, the security's boning up. This is Dan Bilzerian literally running through the streets. Oh, and here comes a bunch of police officers. And Dan Bilzerian just yelled, give me a gun. So these, this is the horrible, you know, uh, shooting that happened in Las Vegas where the guy had a machine gun and was killing a bunch of people at a music festival. And Bilzerian is there. He's hiding behind this kind of um, concrete embankment. And three police officers run up and take cover next to him. And he pulls something out of his pocket and says give me a gun, I'm a cop. And the police officer or sheriff or whatever he is says, get the fuck away from me, I don't know you. And he goes, I'm a cop, give me a gun, I wanna help. And the cop says, you know better than this, uh, I don't know who you are, and runs off. That's a fucking crime. Like, not only is it just morally a, a wrong thing to do to run around trying to get a gun during a shooting being filmed, like doing this as a stunt to get Instagram likes where people's lives are on the line, but also, it's a, he's impersonating a police officer. He just said, I showed you my credibilities. He just showed him a driver's license. Like, he didn't... He's not a fucking police officer. This guy fucking sucks. Do you have anything else to say about that or I'm going to move on? No. Yeah. It's just... I mean, it's just... It's baffling that in that moment, you'd still just be thinking about, like, making, making content. Soon, he starts a company called Ignite. It's basically a weed baron play, but super lame. He loses $50 million on it, and he gets sued by Curtis Heffernan for wrongful termination. It comes to light that all of his shit is being paid for by the company. Basically, the, the big twist is that not that this is when everyone finds out that he's a fraud, but it's like the all of the missing puzzle pieces come together. So there's no way to position it as anything other than like he's taking this company's money and living in a giant rented mansion based on the company stipend and the company has all these cars rented that he uses. And, you know, he's just it's just really sad and shitty and he doesn't have any of the money he has and he hires models to be in the videos and the company pays for the videos because they're marketing in air quotes. And I'm here in the garage. Just got, got through driving through the Hollywood Hills in my Lamborghini. These are my these are my models. You know, uh, I, models don't even mean anything to me anymore. I I just prefer knowledge. Uh, he he also it also comes to light that he had a trust fund um, that he had kept secret all this time. But the trust fund he claims that he turned down the money and he just gave the money to his brother. Um, and that he had two different trust funds, one when he turned 30 and one when he turned 35. And he had given all of that money to his brother to help his brother out, which, you know, like, come on, man. Come on. You come on. You really think? Come on. If, if I, if I had a trust fund, I'd give, I'd give all of it to you sight unseen. You know what? That's why I am forever in your debt, both literally and metaphorically, because I am trying to pay back the trust fund that you gave to me the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm just surprised you spent it already. Yeah. Well. When you have a crazy gambling addiction like I do, that money disappears quick. So basically, the moral of the story is, if you're a bearded Yahoo with a face that looks like a Simon Bisley drawing and a penchant for being next to pretty girls but not actually having any friends, then old Blitz is the role model for you. If you're someone who has aspirations of doing anything with your life that's not weird and underhanded and kind of shady or just kind of sad, then he's probably not someone you want to spend a whole lot of time investing in. 
closing thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I just go back to what I said before. I it, it's it's just it's it's kind of mentally exhausting how much capital as a society and a culture that we allocate towards people like this and the fact that we've created a structure in which they can thrive. Um, just, you know, the, the, the intersection of social media algorithms and the way that they propagate and distribute types of content and the way that people have become so obsessed with celebrity and the just extreme unhappiness that a sort of capitalist consumerist society puts, you know, much of the country's population in has just all converged into this point where life has just become like, like you said before, like you said earlier, like, like our daily life. And this is, this is, this is trickled into celebrity. It's trickled into politics. It's tri trickled into it's, it's infected everything where all of our life is just like a constant professional wrestling work. Like it's just all storylines that we're just, we're following like, like it's a fucking soap opera. I agree. I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Andrew Price. This has been Deep Cuts. You can find me on the internet at heydavebaker.com where you can find books like Action Hospital, Fuck Off Squad, Star Trek Voyager, Seven's Reckoning, and Night Hunters. Andrew, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me in a big model home mansion out in the backyard on the diving board of a pool uh, with a photographer taking pictures of me, a bunch surrounded by a bunch of models just saying like, no, hold on, just one more time. Yes, we, we will pay you. Just we need to get one more of these. We, we just we, we, we can't leave until we get it. We have to get this. I have to put this out. I had to put this out at three o'clock. It's my posting schedule. We have to get this. The other ones didn't work. You're blinking in this one. In this one, you, you're just like rolling your eyes for some reason. Like, what am I? I'm not, I'm not paying you to do that. I, like, happy. Look happy. God fucking damn it. Just we have to get this. I'm, I'm hungry. I'm sure you are too. Let's just fucking get this over with. I have to post this at three. People are expecting this. And you can also find me at dapricerights.com where you can get my book, Deadbolt, AI Predator. Deep Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like it, please visit boygeniusmedia.com or deepcutspod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content. The incidental music for this episode was created by Pseudocide, who can be found on Facebook at P-S-E-U-D-O-C-I-D-E, -E, with spaces between each letter because apparently Facebook doesn't like the use of the Latin stem side. And the dead boy detectives who